0: let's talk about that speech with claire and rachel hey everyone and welcome back to the let's talk about speech podcast i'm rachel and i'm claire And we're back for another episode. Last week, we talked all about children with hearing loss. We had a very special guest, Sydney, from The Listening SLP on Instagram. So if you haven't had a chance to take a listen to that, go take a listen and come back because it's a really awesome episode and we covered a ton of helpful information.
1: So this week on the podcast, we are talking about expanding expression tool part two. So if you haven't listened to our part one yet, stop and go back. It's our fifth episode ever. So it was pretty early on in our podcast journey, but make sure you go listen to that because it will kind of give you a preview of what this episode is about. We're not going to go into as much detail. Um, We're more so going to talk about how EET relates to older kids. So about middle School to high school age kids. And that episode five is more about the little ones. So, just a really quick recap, because I want to make sure that we give credit where credit is due. Um, EET is a tool that was developed by Sarah Smith. And there is a ton of research out there. If you actually go on their website, there's a whole uh, list of research that. EET has been a part of. So it's evidence-based practice. It has been proven to work not only with speech therapists, but also with educators. So it's brought into the classroom as well. And essentially, it's a multisensory approach to language therapy. And um, again, our other episode talks a little more about what that specifically looks like.
0: Yeah, that that first episode gives a really good in-depth description of each of the colors and symbols. Um, So if you aren't familiar with EET, like Claire said, go take a listen, because you'll definitely be confused listening. Um, But we wanted to do this episode to provide information on how to use it with middle and high school students. And we will be honest, there is not a lot of information out there linked to using it with older students. Claire and I kind of struggled um, finding some. So we came up with ideas. We would love to hear your ideas. Uh, So feel free to send us a message, but we're gonna go over what we came up with so far at least.
1: Yeah. So something that I do, and I also use this with my older elementary kids as well, is I use a lot of sentence scripts. So when the child is really excelling with just labeling the different aspects of EET, I will then go into the sentence script and I will kind of push them to put those words into a sentence versus just tell me the word. So for example, my sentence script might look like a blank, which is the word, let's say apple is a type of blank. So an apple is a type of fruit that blank, and that would be the function. So your whole thing would be an apple is a type of fruit that you eat or that you pick or whatever the function might be. Those are always going to look different. Um, and then I continue to add, um, sentences to that. So you can have, it has slash or it is. And then I put three blanks. I usually prompt my kids to describe it in three ways with the adjectives or what does it look like. So I'm looking for maybe shape, color, and texture, or um, maybe shape and color and number, depending on what it is. But that's just a good way to start to put those in some grammatically correct sentences, also to expand and hopefully start to support some written expression.
0: Um, There's also a ton of resources for sentence scripts specifically with EET on Teachers Pay Teachers that have a very similar layout to what Claire just went over. And I love these sentence scripts because it really helps with writing out definitions of words like Claire just talked about, but it helps put it in a format versus like very jumbled thoughts. Um, And then that format kind of helps to form cohesive paragraphs. So I was just working on this with a student this past week and we went through the whole EET chain we were actually comparing and contrasting a cat versus a dog. So we came up with the list for a cat and the list for a dog. And then we went to go write a paragraph about each and then a paragraph comparing and contrasting them. And without the sentence scripts, the paragraph and the sentences were very choppy. It was just like a cat is an animal. A cat has a tail. Right. A cat likes to, and the, the nice thing about the sentence scripts is they just have to plug in the words in the beginning and it comes out in that nice format that doesn't sound choppy and repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I highly recommend using those sentence scripts for sure.
1: I've also found too that some of, and sorry, I'm going into the younger kids a little bit, but um not like little, little kids, but maybe older elementary kids. Some of them are confused and look at me funny when I'm like, put that into a sentence. They don't Mm -hmm. totally get it, especially just depending on their level. Um, A lot of my kids have trouble understanding that concept. So giving them this script teaches them what you expect when you say, put it into a sentence or give me a sentence because they might not understand that direction. Not that they can't do it, but they need to know what that means.
0: For sure. And so the sentence scripts kind of lead into then written expression like Claire had just mentioned. And what I love about this is I really use the EET chain or the format specifically for the graphic organizer purpose. So I'll just have um, a plain piece of paper. I know the EET kit, either comes with or they sell um, on the side stickers for each of the colors, but I usually just take like a marker and make them. Um, and then we make our list on the sheet. So there's your graphic organizer that has tons of information right there. It's a really good tool for written expression purposes to help those older students summarize the articles and paragraph readings because of that layout to break it down. I found that without using that graphic organizer, your students may only pull one or two key details. And I just feel like the organizer kind of helps prompt them to remember. Um, The other thing is that the manual that comes with the EET kit has a ton of different graphic organizers in it as worksheets that you can just copy. Um, And it shows steps of how to transfer the information from the graphic organizer into a paragraph. So that kind of goes back to what we just talked about, about forming cohesive paragraphs versus it being really jumbled. And the other thing that I found today when I was finishing up my research for this episode was that the EET website has a couple different add-on products that you can get they're not included with the kit but you can purchase them separately and they have um, dice kind of like the story block dice but Mm -hmm. there's pronoun ones helping and being verbs parts of speech dice which include adjectives verbs and nouns And then question dice too. So I thought that was really interesting that they have those to kind of tie in that written expression portion.
1: Yeah. And especially if you're working with older kids, that sounds like something that would be helpful to kind of push you to use this with older kids. Cause like we said before, I know it can be a little bit challenging to transfer this over into older kids. So the next way that, especially when I was working in a school, I used this with my middle schoolers was just pulling vocabulary words from the curriculum. So We at the school that I worked at, um, the teachers were really good about giving me like their weekly vocabulary words or there was a whole place that you could go to find each grades like curriculum words and I'm sure whatever state you're in you would be able to find that I know it's different depending on where you're at but um, that is something that I would recommend to do is pulling words that they're actually learning in their classroom because maybe the teacher isn't teaching it in a way of breaking it down into all the different parts that EET does and you're able to get a better teaching towards that word because they can see it and relate it to a bunch of things they already know.
0: Yeah another thing that I try and tie it to is their ELA work which goes back to the curriculum but a really big push in my school are the statewide assessments that usually happen in the spring. And those assessments come with specific word lists for at least third, fourth, and fifth grade, because in Michigan, statewide assessments don't start until third grade. But probably from like January until testing time, which is April, May, I take those words and help my students learn those words because those are the words they're going to see on their tests. And if they're not familiar with them, they're probably not going to be as successful as they would be if they um, knew the term. So I found, I found that to be really helpful also.
1: Yeah, that's such a good point. Um, I also try, and I was kind of saying this before too, but using association, so I feel like with EET, that's huge, right? Because we associate colors with Um, the types of ways that we want to describe the words, but I also use association to break down the vocabulary words. So, especially for these kids that you've maybe been using EET with for like a couple of years, as their vocabulary starts to get harder, you can start to relate it to things they already know. So if they're learning something really hard, like photosynthesis, you can kind of break that down. Um, and I know I've done this with my kids before where like you break down the word, okay, what do you hear in photosynthesis? Well, you hear photo. What does photo remind you of like a flash or light? Oh, it does have to do with light there. You already have a couple parts of it. So you're starting to break down the word while you describe, um, what all those parts of EET are. And I think that that's huge too, because again, you want to relate it to what they know already. Just giving them all this new information at once is really hard, especially for the kids that we see.
0: For sure. Um, The next thing that I have on my list is um, convergent versus divergent naming tasks. And this took me back to working in the hospital with uh, patients that were like post-stroke. But I've also found this to be really helpful with uh, middle and high school students, primarily high school students, Um, whether they're in like a self-contained room or not, you can always adjust it based on their level. But uh, convergent naming tasks would be looking for the category name. So you would say like an apple, banana, and grapes are all, and you're looking for the category name, which would be fruit. And then divergent is kind of the opposite. So you're trying to figure out what belongs in the category. So you would prompt them with asking what belongs in the fruit category, and you would look for those answers. Um, I've also done a different version of it with what doesn't belong, because sometimes Uh, I found that my students get really good at simple naming because I don't usually ask for a lot. I'll ask for like three or five, but sometimes we're doing the same three or five, even if it's weeks apart. Um, So I'll kind of sneak like a vegetable in there or Mm -hmm. grains in there or dairy or something like that if we're working on foods to kind of throw them off and see if they're able to recognize which one doesn't belong. So I kind of like that twist on it also.
1: Yeah. And those all really go along well with the self sentence comprehension subtest. So I incorporate those goals that Rachel was just talking about a lot. When I have a child that maybe scored really low on that subtest and I'm trying to use the self as a guide to make some goals. Um, but all of those are all of the different things that the child needs to know to complete that part of the self. So, um, just so you know, if, if you're looking for something because the child scored low in that area, those that Rachel was just talking about is a good place to start. So the next thing we're going to talk about is books and reading passages. So, Again, when I was in the school and even now working in the clinic, um, I would try and take books that the children were already reading in their classes. And what this looks like in a clinic is I would ask their parents to bring in a book that they were reading from class. And that's a little harder, obviously, because it takes a little bit more work and remembering. But um, a lot of times they did, and it was really great. So I would pull those words from there, or I would pull concepts or characters, or um, we would form a summary using EET. So there are so many ways that you can do this with books. And I think it's really effective too, because kind of how we were talking about making sure that they are cohesive, putting their thoughts in a cohesive manner, following that graph of what EET expects you to do really helps organize their thoughts. I was also, when I was looking at, um, ideas for this episode, I found something on autobiographies and biographies. And I thought this was so cool. I've personally never done it. Um, I found it on Pinterest and it's on teachers pay teachers. And it is, um, basically just laying out how you can relate all of the EET to learning about someone. So for example, if you're learning about George Washington, well, what group does he belong to? He's a president or the United States. So that's his group. What does he do? That function part is, is a little tricky because um, we can say, what does the person do or what do we do, um, depending on what you're talking about. But because he's a person, we would talk about what does he do and or why is he famous? Then you could talk about what he looks like. You could talk about for the parts, what kind of things he implemented, his traits, his character attributes. Um, and then for the where, you would talk about what changes did he do? Um, kind of just talking a little bit about where he was and well, he was in the White House. So that's Mm -hmm. probably what I would say too, but you can kind of just link a lot about the person into what you would say. Usually the kid might just say, well, George Washington was a president. This prompts them to look deeper and find out more about them while also keeping it cohesive and keeping it organized. So I really liked that idea because I had never really thought of attributing this to a person, but I think it would be really easy to do, especially if that's something that they are learning about. Um, and then you can also apply this to nonfiction or fiction books. And then something else I found that I thought was so fun was creating your own story. So maybe you create your own character and you go through the whole EET list and you describe all of their traits. What do they look like? What do they do? Um, what things are they a part of? And that's how you develop them as a character that your child is creating. Same thing with the story itself. And I thought that would be so fun. And I am actually really excited to try that because because that's something I hadn't ever thought of either. And I think it would be good for some of the kids I'm working with right now.
0: I like that so much. I know also I'm pretty sure I'm like 80% sure that in the EET manual in the back section is where they start talking about some of that higher level processing and more in depth, like comparing the cold war to world war two or something like that. And I know I'm pretty sure at least that there's mention of using it for specifically for books with the example of biographies. So I love that. Yeah. So
1: definitely make sure you look in the manual because it talks about how to do this with higher level things. And these are things that when you're doing it with older kids, you really do have to think about because how do you apply it to a concept or how do you apply it to vocabulary word versus just a basic object? But like what Rachel was saying with comparing and contrasting wars. You can do this with all different kinds of things. So with kids, obviously you can compare and contrast objects, But then we also can compare and contrast stories or different characters in the story. And I think that that's really good to do just like it's really good to do for little kids because it's really ensuring that they're understanding not just how they are different, all of these different qualities, but also how how they are the same. Because I think that's a really good way to learn how to think.
0: For sure. And my favorite thing to use for comparing and contrasting is a Venn diagram, which, you know, in person is super easy because you can write it on your whiteboard or construction paper, however you're going to do it. But online, uh, virtually with teletherapy, it's been a little challenging, but actually an SLP on my team sent out this awesome resource a couple of weeks ago, and I've used it almost every single day since then. So it's a Venn diagram and you have the option of comparing two or three it might go higher than that but it's on classtools.net and if you want to go directly to it just add slash ven v-e-n-n and then another slash and it'll take you right to it um but that's amazing i love that my students are able to see it you can obviously edit it live so if you're screen sharing they can see it um The other nice part is that it has really bright colors so one circle is pink one circle is yellow and then the middle is blue so that kind of helps that more concrete. um, visual perception of it to see that you know some these are different, and these are the same so one thing that I used it for with some of my fifth graders were comparing life cycles, so we, I think we did a butterfly to. um. I don't know, it was a mammal of some sort, like a dog. Mm-hmm. And we read a story that was on K-12 learning. And we read through the story and then we talked about you know, this life cycle of a frog and then this life cycle of a dog. And then we talked about how they were similar and how they were different. And in a situation like that, it's really easy to see how the opposite circles fill up, but that center circle is pretty empty. Um, And then obviously, if you switch out your words, it might be different. So I like the idea of using a Venn diagram that kind of goes back to the graphic organizers that we were talking about earlier. The next thing that we have is awesome. It's actually a poster resource that's on the EET website. And it's specifically geared towards opinion and persuasive and argumentative writing. So I would say this is probably geared towards high school, Um, but it goes through the whole chain and I'm gonna read all of the prompts that it has, but it does it in a really interesting way. So the first prompt is what group or topic is being discussed? The second is what do you think about it and where do you stand on the issue? The next is what do you see as reasons to support your argument. The next is how would, which I kind of like that. That was a little funny. How would (laughs) others feel? So that's kind of your um, counter argument section. Uh, The next is parts or details that would support your argument. Where do you need to make changes? So this goes to the editing portion of the writing process. And then at the end, you would talk about what else do you know? kind of restate your opinion and then make your closing remarks. So I thought that was awesome. That is a poster for sale on the EET website.
1: I love that because you know in high school they're teaching that kind of writing. For sure. So if you are working in a high school how cool to bring that in as one of your goals. Um, I also love this, and I don't know if this is a crazy thought, Rachel, you can tell me, but I feel like I would love this to use with some of my older kids that stutter. Um, I have quite a few that fluency, not even kids, teenagers right now, like 16 and 17 that I could use this with and they could talk about their stuttering. And you could probably put this into a a whole presentation. And I like when we do those types of things, I just did something like that with one of mine, um, having them create kind of a presentation on what they know about stuttering, Mm -hmm. how awesome does this organize it? And for them to be able to feel like they have a a model to present. So they're able to kind of refer to this graph. Um,
0: I love that. I was also thinking that this would be so helpful for my students that are working on, and I know we're going to talk about this in a second, but social skills or pragmatic yeah. language for problem solving. When a student comes to me and they're really upset about something, this is kind of the perfect layout to walk them through how yeah. they were feeling and why are you feeling that way and how do you think the other person is feeling and what changes can we make so i love that absolutely yeah
1: i love that too and this just goes to show how cool it is to talk these things out with mm-hmm. your coworkers or your peers or whoever will listen to you talk about speech therapy things because i feel like whenever and i whenever rachel and i talk we always discover new things that maybe we didn't even plan on talking about so for sure yeah, that's very cool Another small thing I wanted to talk about was analogies. So I know that this, I know you guys don't all do analogies, but if you are working on any aspect of vocabulary, analogies is a really good way to make relationships between words. And a really good way to incorporate EET into that is thinking about the link that is in the analogy. So they're not just going to list off every part of whatever is in the analogy, they're going to look for the link. So I'm going to explain that to you with an example, because I I feel like I'm explaining that wrong. I apologize. Um, But for example, let's say you have broom is to floor as Windex is to blank. So you're looking for window, right? So you are maybe asking the child to determine the link between broom and floor. So is it a category? Is it the function? Well, a broom is probably the part maybe, um, or maybe it's something different. I don't know, but you could talk about that in a way of how is that relationship between broom and floor could also kind of be the function because a broom sweeps the floor. So you're looking at it at, from a different angle, you're looking at EET from a very different angle, but I think it's again, good to look at things in different ways, just so that that vocabulary understanding is made.
0: I love that because it kind of gives the why behind it. Yes, I feel like a lot of time, I don't have any students working on analogies right now, but I feel like when I do, they're kind of bored with it because they don't understand. They're like, why are we, why is it sound confusing? Right,
1: right. I know when I've done it in the past too, it's just felt like, like it's felt very drill based and I don't like language to feel like that because it shouldn't be, it shouldn't just be robotic. There should be some understanding there. Definitely. So the next thing we wanted to talk about was social skills. So like Rachel was saying earlier, this can definitely be used for social skills. Something that I found was even topic expansion or maintaining a topic. So, um, kids that might have a hard time with topics that they don't know very much about, you can break the topic down into all these different subsets of EET and learn things about different topics, or even break it down into different questions that you could ask about. Topics. So I felt like that was huge because I had never incorporated that, but I think that would be really, really fun to do because I I am working with some kids on topic maintenance. And then another thing I thought of that we could do was feeling. So you know, we describe these objects and these words and everything, but what about describing feeling words? So like happy, sad, mad, and really relating it to personal experiences when you're talking about those and defining them and even comparing and contrasting them.
0: So going back really quickly to the topic expansion, I love that idea because you could have a, so I have a stack of cards that, um, it's a bunch of different topics that we can talk about, right? Because usually your students want to talk about whatever their interest is and their interest is only. And that can be very difficult to build peer relationships around that, especially when their peers don't aren't interested. So I also have um, a comment card and question cards. And usually they have like three of each and they have to play them as they say them. But a lot of times, and I'm sure you guys have run into this, your students get stuck, they're like, okay, Mm -hmm. well, I know I have to ask a question, but I'm not really interested in it. So I don't really know what to ask. And I feel like even just having the EET um, layout in front of your students would kind of help guide them through the many different aspects of whatever that topic is that they could be asking.
1: And so that they're not asking the same questions or the same comments because students get stuck in that too, right? Is they just say the same thing over and over and over again, but with like a different word to to relate to the topic. So getting them out of that habit, there's a zillion different things that you could talk about with this topic. And it's right in front of them, like Rachel said.
0: Yeah. Oh, excuse me. So Claire had mentioned the comparing and contrasting those feelings, which I love that. And one thing that I was going to say that I've done is to watch a social story clip either, excuse me guys, on YouTube or like a Pixar short and have them compare and contrast maybe the characters or the setting or have them watch two different uh, shorts and see kind of how they feel about those. I love incorporating videos because I feel like that's very engaging especially to the older students Um, so that might be a good way to go about that also.
1: Yeah I love that I use video we have a whole episode actually on short films so you should definitely check that one out as well but (laughs) I love using those clips. The last thing we wanted to just briefly mention was some games so There's tons of games out there, and I know by the time we get to our high school kids, they're too cool for games, Mm -hmm. but um, you can kind of incorporate it, even not introducing it as a game, but just a way that they're gaining the words that are a part of their assignment. So I use apples to apples a lot with this, and it's great because there are so many different words, right? Make sure you're using the junior one. If you do have the adult version, just make sure you go through it before they just pick one because there are some like... Not the Kinda most off the
0: wall. Yeah, yeah. Off the
1: wall. And there's, I'm pretty sure there's not the most appropriate ones that maybe mm-hmm. you should be talking about in school on there. Um, so I would recommend either junior or making sure you're going through them first to just pull a couple, but for example, I will have, I actually have a written out sentence script of this. So it says a blank, and this is where the red card goes. So let's say this is usually the noun. So let's say a monkey, so a monkey. And then the next part of the sentence script says is a type of blank. So I'm sorry. Yeah. Blank. There's two, there's two blanks, blank, blank. So this is where you would put the adjective and then they have to come up with the category. So let's take, let's say the adjective they pull is stinky. I don't know. Something funny. I was going
0: to say stinky. Are you weird. really? <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> so weird. We're way
1: too much on the same wavelength. <laughs> <laughs> so now it reads a monkey is a type of stinky. And they have to come up with animal. And then the last part of that sentence script says, because. So this kind of gets their wheels turning. They have to talk about maybe why it's stinky. And I love the responses that I get from this because you want them to be creative, right? You want them to be funny. And you also want the sentence to be complete. So it's, it's teaching that complete sentence. Um, so you could say, because he rolled around in mud. Or I don't know, because he went to the bathroom, I don't know, Mm -hmm. something that would be funny to them, but also makes sense. And then after you do that, you could go back to the word and discuss the other different EET parts of it. Um, But I just really like that because I think it gives a good outline.
0: I love that. I'm thinking right my wheels are turning right now of the students that I could use specifically that sentence script for um, and pull some of those cards. Cause I can just picture them like finding it so silly. So funny. Right. And you can do
1: compare contrast with it too. Mm -hmm. So that would be fun. Like once you do a couple rounds of it, you could compare all of not only the nouns, but also the adjectives. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, The only other game I came up with was headbands and I've had middle and high school students that are like into wearing the headband. And I've also had them like, look at me, like you want me to what? (laughs) So um, you could also play the headbands game with them holding the card or it taped behind them on the wall or whatever. So you don't necessarily have to do that if you have a, a student that wouldn't be into it. But what I do for that is instead of, because the game itself comes with very simple nouns. Um, and if you're using this with your, older students in middle and high school, it's probably not as appropriate or doesn't really fit their needs. Um, But I replace it with either current ELA vocabulary, um, like I just mentioned, or statewide testing vocabulary, or Claire had mentioned um, having or tying activities into a story that they're reading so I think that would be perfect to pull characters from that Um, settings if the book has lots of different settings you can kind of go through those so I thought that would be kind of fun and I've done that with some of my students and they've enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. And headbands is really just a guessing game. So you, like Rachel said, you don't need the headband. You could just call it a guessing game
0: or you could call it twenty-one questions, or whatever
1: verbal charades. Like you're trying to guess what the person is thinking of. So just making it, I feel like anytime you put competitiveness into, especially with middle school and high school age into your session, it makes it so much better.
0: For sure. So that's what we came up with, guys. We would love to hear your ideas, things that you've tried, maybe that have like been a total fail, things that have definitely worked. Um, We'd love to hear where your ideas are, because like we said, there's not really a lot of information out there or ideas out there. So make sure to email us or DM us with that information because we would love to share it. And that wraps up this episode. So thank you guys again so much for joining us. And as always, you can find me, Rachel, on Instagram at supersweetspeech. And if you or anyone you know is in need of speech therapy in Southeast Michigan, feel free to email me at speechissupersweet@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can also follow the Let's Talk About Speech podcast on both Facebook and Instagram. So make sure you give those a like and a follow. And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, you can rate, review, and subscribe to us.
1: And you can find me Claire on Instagram at kindly underscore speech or my Facebook page kindly speech LLC. And if anyone in the Ohio area is in need of speech therapy, please contact me kindly at gmail.com. Make sure that you also have our email. For the podcast, Let's Talk About Speech podcast at gmail.com, email us with suggestions, or if you or someone you know wants to be on the show, we love learning from you guys and love having people on that you can learn from as well. You guys are great. Thanks so much. Bye.